Nerds. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Ready to expand your financial game? NerdWallet can coach you on smart strategies like choosing investments, finding your next credit card, and setting a budget that works for you. Score major points towards your summer vacation by learning expert tips for choosing a high-yield savings account and how to build wealth by investing in index funds. Slide into summer with smarter decisions in 2024. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. When you're a 415er, you're all about your San Francisco 49ers. And this is where you need to be for news, analysis, and, and, and more. And more. Welcome to the 415, hosted by Evan Gidding and Mark Grandy. What's going on, everyone? Welcome into another edition of the 415ers podcast. As always, on the Odyssey Sports Podcast Network with 95.7 The Game, coming at you twice a week in the offseason. It's Evan Giddings. It's Mark Grandy. Mark, my man, how are you? I'm doing well, Evan. Another fun weekend. First weekend of uh, March Madness. Just a lot of sitting on my couch watching uh, watching some basketball. I know you had an eventful weekend. You were down in Arizona getting some March Madness in. Also getting, of course, a lot of baseball in. Uh, I'm doing well. How are you doing? You you recovered from your weekend away yet? I'm good. Yeah, yeah. Got over a sunburn. Uh, got up. Got <laughs> over a couple of backdoor covers. Most recently from uh, TCU. For those uh. of, those of you who are also on the uh, Gonzaga four and a half. I feel you. That was a meaningless three that sunk about $50. Hopefully not more for those of you out there that were uh, also engaged in some degenerate play. But, uh, <laughs> Mark, outside of that, yeah, and I did enjoy some sunshine. Got a little bit of pool in. Uh, got four games in over four days, including got to see uh, the USA and yeah. uh, the WBC get a win over Columbia. So that was a lot of fun as well. But uh, Phoenix... Not so sure if it's one of my favorite places to be. I had a chance to see the Arizona Cardinals facility just from the outside over in Glendale. Okay. That place is a little bit too spread out for me, to be honest. Like, I understand why people love it because of the weather and because of perhaps some of that space. But being from the Bay, uh, especially over here in San Francisco, where we live now, everything is walkable. Everything is mobile. Everything is accessible via public transit. And uh, that is absolutely not the case in the in the Greater Phoenix area. So I'll give I'll give the the trip an A minus uh, because of how far everything was. All right, well, fair enough, fair enough. You know, different strokes for different folks. I I kind of like the, uh, the I don't know, there's pluses and minuses to both. I kind of like spread out big cities as well. I don't know, you can kind of get away a little bit easier from the hustle and bustle. Um, but it is nice to have everything within walking distance and not needing your car on a daily basis is, is very convenient. Oh, give me the hustle. Give me the bustle. <laughs> uh, give me all of it. Uh, but speaking of pluses, though, Mark, I did see that pro football focus oh. gave the Niners, I believe it was a B plus for what they have done so far in free okay. agency. Uh, and we're going to get into how the rest of the NFC has fared up, how the rest of the NFC West has fared so far in free agency. But to recap so far what the 49ers have done, uh, I believe the last time we spoke last Thursday, they had just inked Isaiah Oliver, a cornerback from Atlanta to a two-year deal. Um, but they also, of course, as we kind of mentioned, also were able to get Cleland Farrell, defensive end formerly from the Raiders for one year. Demetrius Flanagan fouls. 
re-signed a one-year deal for the 49ers. Ross Dwelly and T.Y. McGill also re-signed with the 49ers, each of which on one-year deals. And then they also added uh, Miles Hartsfield, a defensive back formerly with Carolina. So he comes over with Steve Wilkes, the 49ers' new defensive coordinator, on a one-year deal. And then most recently, John Feliciano, formerly of the New York Giants, signs a one-year deal to kind of add some offensive line depth, specifically on the interior. Uh, He played mostly center last season for the Giants. So, you know, honestly, Mark, kind of like what we've talked about, not necessarily anything that jumps out at you um, the way that Javon Hargrave does, but a lot of low risk, high reward signings that potentially could benefit San Francisco. Yeah, focusing here on Feliciano for a moment. He's a 31-year-old offensive lineman originally drafted in the fourth round by the Raiders. Has bounced around a bit after a few years with the Raiders. He was uh, with the Buffalo Bills for a handful of seasons, then the New York Giants last year. That was his only year. And now he comes to the 49ers, and, and you said that he played mostly center last year, but he has played really everywhere except for right tackle in his career, mostly the three interior spots, so left guard, center, and right guard. And I don't expect him to be a starter. Um, He's likely going to be a depth piece um, that the Niners can kind of throw in and fill in almost anywhere on the offensive line. You remember at the left guard spot where – actually, the right guard spot where Spencer Burford uh, was the starter, it was kind of split between him and Daniel Brunskill for most of the year. So maybe we have a similar by-committee approach at the right guard spot with Feliciano. But if there's an injury to any of the three interior guys, Evan, it will likely be Feliciano to step in and start there in their stead. So while it's not, you're right, not an an incredibly sexy hire, an incredibly sexy signing, it's not a big name, it's not a lot of money, it's just one year, this is the kind of guy that they needed because what we talked about last episode where is a hole? The hole is depth on the offensive line right now. And while this is only one guy and there should be more reinforcements coming, this is one guy that can play a handful of positions on the offensive line. So he fills um, a bigger hole than maybe someone else could. So I like I like the signing. He is something that they needed. He can play multiple positions. I'm sure we will see him play and take snaps in multiple uh, positions in this 2020 20- uh, 20- excuse me, 2023 season, we'll see how well he does. Uh, But no doubt that this was something they needed to address and they've done it. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next? Last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Yeah, and one thing that I touched on off the top, which I think kind of follows the theme of all of these signings, is low risk and high reward because you're looking at a lot of one-year deals, Feliciano included, but also guys that have versatility. You mentioned Feliciano's ability to play everywhere, unfortunately, except for right tackle, uh, which is where they remain the most wide open right now on the offensive line, but looking into guys like Miles Hartsfeld has played in the nickel, has played on the outside, also has some experience at the safety position. You can say the same for Isaiah Oliver, who is signed to a two-year deal. Um, obviously, bringing back the depth of Dwelly, Flanagan, Fowles, um, as well as T.Y. McGill, You know, those are all guys obviously familiar with the system, but guys that also may be asked to have a little more of a role this year, but 
you're not necessarily needing those guys to step up into big spots. Whatever you get from him at this point is essentially gravy. Um, same for a guy like Clellan Farrell, who kind of potentially could follow in the Arden Key model, who was a former Raider and then came in for San Francisco and was able to elevate his game and then, of course, make some money for himself and be a valuable piece on the defensive line. So what they've done so far, and I don't expect them to be done at this point in free agency, is that depth around positions that were already, I think, of strength. Um, they still need to add to the secondary. Obviously, they still need to add to the right tackle position. I think that they'll look for other of these low-risk, high-reward pieces. But so far, I like what they've done, and, and I agree with the grade so far that they've received from Pro from pro uh, Football Focus, which is a B plus. Nothing extremely sexy outside of Hargrave, but everything kind of dinking and dunking, um, making sure that they are at least able to react to potential injuries, which, of course, we saw a lot of this year. Yeah, no, I think a B-plus grade is relatively fair. I mean, I don't know what your expectation was. I know we talked about it a little bit a couple of weeks ago, just before free agency opened. We were debating whether or not they were going to go out there and make the big splash, the Javon Hargrave signing. I think I even threw his name out there when talking about the most sought-after free agents. And if I was forced to, I don't know, to bet, to guess, what I thought they were going to do, I probably would have said, no, I don't think they're going to go out and hand over that much cash to just one guy when they're already relatively cash strapped, considering how their roster is set up. But there was a part of me, Evan, going back to the Christian McCaffrey deal midseason last year, there was a part of me thinking they have kind of changed their philosophy a little bit. They've proven that they are kind of in this win now mode. Um, so if you were to assume they were going to make a splash signing, regardless of who it was, this is kind of the mold you follow. You go out there and you give the big money to one guy. In this case, it's Javon Hargrave. And then you go and try to find values at your other areas of need. You pick and choose guys to bring back. You let certain guys walk away who are just too expensive for you now. Samson Ebukam comes to mind as a guy who's now too expensive. Charles Omenahu as well. But they bring back Kevin Givens. They bring back T.Y. McGill on the defensive line. They re-sign Demetrius Flanagan Fowles, who's been an ace on special teams for them. They bring back Ross Dwelly, who's now firmly in line for the tight end two spot as it currently stands. This is how they have to do it if, you know, they go down this road. And, of course, they have chosen this road with Javon Hargrave. So, you could maybe quibble that they should have split up money elsewhere and, and gotten better at a wider you know, number of positions. But if they were going to go down this road and give out a big contract to someone, this is how you do it because you don't have a ton of space to work with everywhere else. And, and to me, given they're, all, they're down this road, it does seem like they've done a, a, a decently good job at finding some I think diamonds in the rough is a little too complimentary and and we'll see when the season does begin, but it seems like they are putting a lot of effort into trying to find guys that once the season starts, once we get to week five or week six, we'll be looking back and describing some of these signings as good calls. They're getting good value on these, on these contracts. Time will tell, but it does seem like they're on the right track. I also think they've done an admirable job of reading the market because the one glaring area that they have not addressed yet is the right tackle position. But I think they've also seen how offensive linemen have justifiably gone out and got their money, but have been a little more overpaid 
this offseason than in previous ones. Of course, the big name for San Francisco is Mike McGlinchey. You got five for you know, five years, $87 million. But then, you know, Chris Lindstrom with the Atlanta Falcons, who was an all pro this year, got five years, $105 million. Um, looking at Kayla McGeary, who was a name that I tossed out a few weeks ago as a potential signee, re signed with Arizona, three for 34. I don't think San Francisco wants to pay that kind of money for that position unless they know they're going to get a premium player. And right now, those premium players at that position, specifically at right tackle, are being a bit overpaid by the market. Those guys are getting their bread. That's what they're supposed to do. But I think San Francisco sort of saw, I don't want to say a market inefficiency, but saw where they could get a premium player like Javon Hargrave and then sprinkle in free agency with a lot of one-year, you know, low-cost, high-reward deals and try and sort of rework that way. I also think to your point about them getting aggressive and sort of this model of, you know, attempting to, I guess, cash in now and, and really maximize this window, would not be surprised to see the San Francisco 49ers, who have 11 picks in this upcoming draft, yeah. attempt to trade up for a right tackle of the future or a potential member of the secondary or even a defensive end because we know they like to carry 10 defensive linemen. I don't think it's out of the question for them to get aggressive again this year, even though they have you know a plethora of third rounders beyond. Uh, they don't have a first or second round pick. Wouldn't be surprised to see them try and move up to get perhaps one of those top three or top four right tackle prospects in this year's draft. Yeah, and you said... You know, the one spot they haven't really addressed yet is right tackle. They would probably argue they have. They re-signed Colton McKivitz, who it seems like is going to be the starter at right tackle. But, I mean, to your point, that's it, it, not... Right now, it's him and Jalen Moore. Yeah. And to your point, that's a move that doesn't, uh, I don't know, break many ways. Like, it, 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 it's not breaking news. You know, it's, it's not that big of a deal. It's not a name that you really think of as, oh, yeah, he's definitely a tackle, a starting tackle in the NFL. So... That could be a spot where they're still looking to improve at the very least. They need depth there. Whether or not they're still out there acquiring their starter is TBD. I would guess no, uh, but you're right. That is still a position that needs to be addressed at the very least on the depth side of things. And that's where the draft comes in because you're right. They, they do have a lot of picks. They don't have high quality picks, but they can afford to take a few shots on some guys um, because they have so many picks, and if you miss a fifth rounder, it's not the end of the world. So uh, I, I, I think they're fairly well positioned to attack the rest of this offseason and, and figure out how they want to address some depth issues. I think for the most part, on both sides of the ball, you know there are some weak spots, but for the most part, I think they have their 22 starters on offense and defense. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you.